0: Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. Nick, don't, don't go yet. Come here. Come right up here. We we didn't plan this, but now, now we have a competition on who wears it better. Oh, that's easy. (laughs) One of the things that we did during, uh, thank you, that was it, thank thank you. (laughs) One of the things we did during, uh, when we were online only, way back a year ago, is um, we we decided to have fun, and one day, uh, Cheryl, um, she bought Nick, Tony, and I all the same shirt, and she said, see if anybody notices that you all wear the same shirt today when you're on camera. And, uh, and every once in a while, uh, we will wear it at the same day. We didn't, we didn't plan that for today, but I'm glad he did because, you know, we've learned some things uh, this past year about ourselves as uh, we in, we in, we've encountered and are still dealing with a, a pandemic as we encountered and dealt with having to change the debt. We learned some things uh, one of the things that I think that we learn, and I think that is made clear to us, especially uh, just in recent weeks, um, I had a friend die yesterday from complications uh, from COVID. One of our church members. Um, one of the things I think that we're learning is we actually don't have control over our safety or health. We we never have. We have this illusion of control. And we have this illusion that we control whether we're safe and healthy and live. But we have never actually had control over that. Um, and, and I have friends that have taken every precaution about COVID and they still have gotten COVID. And I've had friends that have had taken no precautions about COVID and uh, they haven't had any side effects. Uh, we, we just don't have control over this. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to be wise. I still wear a seatbelt when I when I drive, I don't have control over other drivers, but I wear a seatbelt because I want to be wise. I think there are some steps we need to take to be wise with dealing with COVID. But we've learned we actually don't have control over our health or safety, and we never have. I think that we've learned and we've seen, um, I heard one preacher say, you know, the next time we have a global pandemic, uh, race riots, and uh, two impeachment uh, trials in the same year, we'll know what to do and how to react because now we've trained ourselves for this. But we also, I think we learned um, this past year that we are are living in a culture of decline. There is a perversion in our culture that is getting worse. And we have to know from what God teaches us from the Scripture how to live in a culture of decline. And He does teach us how to live in a culture of decline. I'll come back to that in just a second. I think we also learned we're stronger than we thought we were. I think we learned that we rely more on God's grace than we ever realized. I think we learned that we are more adaptable than we could ever imagine. Never in, my, in all my training and in 25 years of ministry did I ever imagine that my main uh, role for teaching the scripture at any point in my career would be, would be mainly preaching to a camera so that people spread out all over our community would be able to hear me. I never imagined that. But we adapted. And, and you know we're, we're dealing, it has pros and cons. Uh, the message of the gospel is reaching more people today from just our local congregation. And more places in the world from our local congregation. Just this morning we have a, a longer reach And a more effective reach than we've ever had before. And this church has sent missionaries for years and years and years to all places. And those missionaries have been successful in leading people to gospel. And we are effectively reaching more people right now because of the internet. And we get excited about the clicks that are on there. And we think lots of people are watching. And I know what it's like at my house sometimes when we watch worship online. We're all scrolling through social media and nobody's paying attention to what's on the TV. So we're excited about the reach, and we also realize that not everybody pays attention. If you're watching right now, I, I know what's going on in your house. <laughs> the kids are climbing all over the place. You're fixing breakfast. You know, your teenagers scrolling through social media. I understand that happens. So catch some of it today. Catch some of it today. Right? We're, we're learning, and we're adapting, And I think some things have happened to our church, not just our local congregation, but the church in the world. You know, there's the church with a capital C. Every Christian, every person in Christ is part of God's church, the body of Jesus. And I think there are some things that have happened that we have learned that have happened to the church this past year. One of the things is we have learned that there are some people that have made the excuse and used the pandemic And you stay at home as an excuse to never come back to church. There are some people that are using this as an excuse to never, ever gather together with other Christians, either online or in person. And here's what we need to do. We need to pray for those people. Because they they have placed their faith, they have misplaced their faith in something other than the love they have for Jesus Christ. And so we need to pray for them to fall madly in love with Jesus Christ, that he would reveal himself and manifest his will for them in such a clear way that they can't help but fall down and worship him and desire to be with other Christians to spur one another on toward love and good deeds and desire to worship Jesus Christ. We have to pray that they find a reason to gather, and that reason has to be Jesus Christ. If you make any other reason for gathering other than your love of Jesus Christ, eventually you will leave any church you belong to because you'll never be satisfied because there's no church that's perfect. But Jesus is perfect. He is the reason we gather. I think uh, another thing um, that we have learned, and this has affected our local church, so we need to pray for the people who aren't coming back. We need to pray for them, that they fall in love with Jesus, that they're surrounded by other Christians. Let me, let me just stay here just a minute before we go on. Um, We need to pray that God puts people around them to help them fall in love with Jesus and that maybe that's us. We need to pray that God opens our eyes for that moment. The second thing that has happened uh, to our churches, and this is more local, is is, uh, the pandemic has given people an excuse to swap churches. Um, And we have had people leave our congregation, go to another church, and we've had people leave their congregation that they've been to and come to our church. We need to pray for the people who are swapping churches too. And uh, let me tell you why. We need to pray that they uh, continue uh, to make sure they have legitimate reasons for leaving a local congregation. And there are legitimate reasons for, for choosing a new church. I'll, I'll give you a couple that are really legitimate. You need to uh, examine our church. You need to examine any church you go to. If, if a congregation and church leadership is not preaching the Bible clearly and following really close to orthodox teaching of Scripture, like the Scripture, God hasn't changed the scripture that was relevant uh, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago is still relevant today. If, if a church is not preaching what God's word says, and you've gone to the leadership and you said, hey, you know what, I think you might be getting this wrong. We need to maybe fix this. Can you show me what you mean? Can you help me understand? Because this doesn't seem like what God is saying. And you've, you've done that, and they haven't changed. That is a legitimate reason to seek out another church. Another legitimate reason to seek a church is if you are are unable to serve in any way. I heard one preacher say that we ought to pick our churches by how how often, how consistently, and how effectively we get to serve the kingdom. God has appointed us all to have ministries to build up the body of Christ, and we need to find a church we can serve in. Maybe that's this local congregation, but you need to find... Those are legitimate reasons. There are illegitimate reasons to leave, and I'm always worried for our souls when the illegitimate reason is because I'm not getting my way. Some people swap church because they don't get their way, and that's not a good, good reason to swap churches, but it happens. And we need to pray for the people who are swapping churches. Here's what we need to pray. We need to pray that the people who are swapping churches for either a legitimate reason or an illegitimate reason would continue to mature in their faith in Jesus Christ and would find opportunities to serve, to build up the body. That's what we need to pray for people who swap churches. We need to love on them, we need to pray for them, and we need to give them opportunities to serve the kingdom of God, to build up the church, whether they leave for a legitimate or illegitimate reason. Because that's our job, is to build up the body of believers. Church that encompasses the world and local congregations. Local congregations too. And uh, one other thing that we are figuring out in this pandemic, we are figuring out, and uh, this we didn't, probably didn't imagine either, we can actually worship God in different ways than we've ever done before. And we're figuring out, and through this sermon series that we've been preaching this month, we're figuring out that we need to worship God daily, not just on Sunday mornings. And if we can wrap our minds around that the call from Scripture is to worship God every day, then when something happens that are outside of our circumstances, which is a lot... We don't stop worshiping God. If the building collapses and we don't have this facility, I am still going to worship God every day. If we're unable to meet through a pandemic or what we all think is coming, a persecution of Christians, but we've trained ourselves to worship God every day and we've trained our children to worship God every day, we won't stop worshiping. We need to figure out how to live in a declining culture and in a declining society, worshiping God every day. Do you know who else lived in a declining culture? Peter, the best, one of Jesus' best friends. He lived in a declining culture. Listen to what Peter said. Acts chapter 2, we have the start of the very first church at the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's coming down um, and filling the disciples, enabling them to speak in other languages. There's uh, people from all different types of uh, backgrounds and walks of life and languages. And... uh, Peter stands up, and he explains the gospel, he gives them the gospel, he tells them about Jesus Christ, and that they crucified, they killed the Messiah, and the people that were there, they said, what do we need to do? And Peter explains what they need to do to be saved, but I want you to hear what he says about his culture, about his society. This is in Acts chapter 2, this isn't our main text for the day, this is the longest introduction ever, but hang with me, we're going to get to the main point, we're going to get to the main point. Peter said, therefore, let all Israel, he's talking to all the people that are there, be assured of this, God, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 36 in Acts, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brother, what shall we do? What do we need to do to be saved? And he said, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all, for all, whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, listen, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Peter was living in a culture in decline. That word corrupt there is crooked or uh, wicked or perverse. You ever think about our culture and think our culture is perverse? And you think, man, it just keeps getting worse. the same thing Peter was going through this is not a new thing we are in the end times until Jesus comes back Peter knew it he said save yourselves from this crooked generation every generation of Christians has pleaded for people to live and learn how to live in a culture in decline and if it feels like it's getting worse well maybe it is but I think it just depends on where you live in the world but it feels like it's getting worse You know who else lived in a culture of decline? Paul. Paul lived in a a culture of decline. A contemporary of Peter, an apostle called by God to serve, Paul wrote some of his letters that we have in Scripture, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote those from in prison. He was put in prison because he was telling people about Jesus. That's a culture and society in decline. In Philippians chapter 1, he's writing to the people at Philippi, the Philippian church, And he said, you know what, Uh, everybody now knows, it's okay, it's okay, this is serving the Lord. He said, everybody knows that around me, why, why I am in prison. I'm in prison because of the name of Jesus Christ. And because I'm in prison, the guards know about Jesus, the community knows about Jesus, and even people are encouraged, they've seen me put in prison, and now they're emboldened to talk about Jesus. He says, okay. But you don't get put in prison for teaching about Jesus unless you live in a culture of decline. And Paul says, I want to show you a way to live when you live in a culture in decline. You know who else lived in a culture of decline? The author of Hebrews. We don't know who it is. Uh, uh, Every scholar and every Bible uh, reader, they have their They have their uh, idea about who wrote Hebrews, but we don't know who for sure wrote Hebrews. But the author of Hebrews uh, spends 10 chapters writing to a community of Christians about why Jesus is worthy of our praise and warning them not to turn away, to go back to what they were doing before or back to an old way of living and some people in the, the book of Hebrews who the author was writing to, they had heard the word and loved Jesus, but the worries of their life and the deceitfulness of wealth had choked out their growth. Or some heard about Jesus, the author of Hebrew was writing, and they received Jesus with joy, but then they didn't develop their relationship with him, and when trouble and persecution came, because they were living in a culture of decline, they fell away. And the author of Hebrews spends ten chapters trying to call and encourage this community of Christians that were debating on whether to continue to worship Jesus or to go on to something else that would be safer. And he gave them this, he said, Jesus is better than any person or anything. He is worthy of our devotion and praise. And he gives them warnings on what the danger is of turning away from Jesus. And the reason why he does that is because he's living in a culture of decline. And the author of Hebrews, and that leads us to our text today, the author of Hebrews actually gives us a way to live in a culture of decline that worships God, that allows us to daily worship God. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, the author of Hebrews is going to tell us how we can continue to worship God every day, every day, daily worship of God. How to live in a culture of decline by doing two actions of daily worship. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, we're just going to look at a couple of verses. The author tells us how to live in a culture of decline with two actions of daily worship. I'm going to read it and I'll tell you what those two actions are. Verse 10, chapter 6. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. 10, 11, 12, chapter 6. That's our verse for today. In this passage, the author of Hebrews tells us how to live in a culture of decline by worshiping God daily in two ways. Serve His people, and the second is continue to serve His people. Number one, first point from this passage, is God connects serving others with serving Him. Now, we've heard this before, but maybe we've never heard it that way. But we can worship God if we serve others in the name of God. We can bring praise to God's name if we serve others for them to praise God's name. We can bring joy to our Father's heart when we love other people, when we help them, when we serve them. And in this passage, God is connecting how we express that love with others to how we worship him. Now, we've heard this before. We've heard this before. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, do your, your good deeds in front of other people so God will get the praise. And he's talking about the motive of our heart because in that same passage, in the Beatitudes, in that same section, Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, don't do your acts of, of goodness. Don't give your almsgiving where other people can see you and you get a pat on the back. And he's talking about the motive of the heart. He's not speaking out of both sides of his mouth like our politicians do. He's actually teaching us that the motive of our heart should be to bring God glory through our actions. And if we are serving in a way and with the reason that we want God to get praise, we need to do that in front of people so God does get the praise. God connects our worship of Him with our serving of others. Love has to be expressed in action. Jesus says this in Matthew 25. Nick and Chip were talking about this even before church. And and Nick said to Chip, isn't it, I just walked in on the conversation. He said, it's terrifying. It's terrifying to read Jesus saying, you could do miracles and heal people and cast out demons in the name of Jesus. And then Jesus says, you know, I don't even know you. Remember that passage? Matthew chapter 25, here's what it says. I'll, I'll read it. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, this is the end time. Jesus comes back. This is the very end. Jesus will sit on his glorious throne. He will sit on his throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and the king will say to those on his right, and I'm not just talking to you guys. You guys can be sheep too. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And Jesus the king will reply, Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus connects our worship to service. He connects what we do to other people as a part of our worship to him. He connects our service to other people. Whatever we do for other people, we are doing to Jesus. What would happen? What would happen? If you imagined the people sitting to your right and to your left as being the dwelling place for Christ, and however you treat them, you are treating Jesus that way. Wouldn't it change the way you treat your brother and your sister, your spouse, your kids? If you could continually imagine you are treating Jesus this way, You are treating Jesus this way? You want to make a difference in a declining society? Start training up disciples that treat other people as the dwelling place of Jesus Christ. Talk about getting rid of abuse, physical, mental, emotional. You can't, you wouldn't do that to Jesus. Talk about service, physical, mental, emotional. You can't, you wouldn't do that to Jesus. Talk about serving and helping and going out of your way to use your treasure, your time, your energy, and your money to help somebody else. Because you would do that for Jesus. If Jesus was right here, we'd be falling all over ourselves to serve him. And Jesus says, it is worship to me, it's serving to me, if you go serve somebody else. Especially if you do it in my name. That's the motive behind it, the motive behind It's to do it so God gets glory. What would happen in your family If you saw your family member as a person of Jesus, what would happen to the people you're around if you saw them as Christ? What would happen to our churches? Would we swap churches as much if we realized we were serving Jesus by serving each other? No, because the love in our church would overflow so much, we we couldn't help but be caught up in it. What would happen to our community if they saw a church loving like that? That every person you see, you see as the, 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 either a child of God, that God created them and made them in His image, or a child of God, He's invited them into His family, and when we serve them, we're serving Jesus. Love must be expressed in action. This is how God does it. This is how He does it. When, uh, when Moses was called by God to go talk with Pharaoh and, and, well, who do I say sends me? What's your name? You know, in Egypt, all the gods had names. And so God answers in Exodus chapter three, he answers in three ways. Uh, The first answer, he doesn't tell him his name. He says, tell them, I am that I am has sent you, or I will be what I will be. Uh, Meaning Moses, if you know my name, just because you know my name doesn't mean you're going to control me. I will do whatever is right and whatever is holy and whatever is wise. I am that I am. I will be what I will be, and I'm not going to base that on you or anybody else. I am God. And then he says, tell them, I am sent you. So he went from I am that I am to I am, which kind of meant God was committing himself expressing his love in action, I will be with you. Isn't it incredible that the God who cannot be controlled, we can not force him to do anything, he can never be in our debt, commits himself to be with us. That is love in action. And then he says to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord, God above all gods. You tell him Yahweh since you. That's my name. Jesus does the same thing. He commits to us love and action. Jesus Christ said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Who did Jesus give his life for? He gave his life for me. He gave his life for you. He demonstrated his love with action. And then he does the same promise God the Father makes because Jesus is God. He says, I will be with you. Till the very end of the age, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. God's Spirit with us. God commits himself to be with us. This is love and action. God demonstrates his love for us. Jesus Christ died and rose again to save us from our sins. He gives us actions to remind ourselves that he is with us and he died for us and he is loving us. The, the baptism we saw today is a perfect, beautiful example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. There's no wonder Jesus told us to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because it is the gospel in picture for us. Praise God for Riley. God demonstrates love in action. He commits himself to be with us, and then he serves us, demonstrating his love by dying for us. This is the third week I've said this. I'm going to say it one more time. If Jesus never does anything else for us, he's already demonstrated he loved us by willingly giving his life for us. And now God calls us, if we want to worship him, to go imitate Jesus. Serve, help others. Now, our, our motive must be right, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, and I want to get back to this passage of Scripture. I want you to see this, because the first point is God connects service to worship. He connects worship of Him with service, and so He says that we should serve people, but then He says we should continue serving people, continue serving people. Don't stop. Remain diligent. Don't become lazy. Imitate people who have gone before you. Continue, 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 continue serving with faithful endurance. And he says there are faithful witnesses that have come before that can allow you to serve. And then the author of Hebrews, later in chapter 11, he lists all these faithful witnesses uh, of Jesus. He says, follow their example. Keep serving God this way. Keep being faithful. And then he lists a, a group of people. He said, you don't even know their name, but they love Jesus and they died for Jesus. Some of them were cut in two. Some of them had to live underground. They experienced persecution. I bet the, the people that this letter was written to knew some of their names because they were being persecuted. Some of them were leaving the faith, and some of them were sticking with it, and he said, stay with it, stay with it. Faithful, Faithful witnesses. Jesus is our faithful witness. He stayed with God's plan all the way till his death, and he was rewarded for it author of Hebrews talks about that too. My grandfather, one of my earliest memories of my grandfather, is he was on stage as a youth minister doing gospel magic to train up children in the way they should go in the Lord. I still remember the trick. I still remember the story, and I don't know how old or young I was. And his faithful witness somehow encouraged and shaped me where I had a desire to go into ministry, What does God say here? We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Didn't my grandfather hope that his children and his grandchildren and his family would come to Christ and his faithful endurance all the way to the end is what he, he, he now sees it fully realized. He has family in Jesus because of his witness. What about your family? Are you serving and worshiping God faithfully? so that you can see it fully realized in their salvation. He continues, We do not want you to become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. We get to inherit this kingdom. What did Jesus say in Matthew 25? Come and receive your reward, what has been in store for you. Inherit what has been placed for you since the beginning of time. Because you loved me by loving others. Now, we've we got to remember, this is important, this is important, and he, and he says it here. Our motive is not to earn credit with God. We cannot earn salvation. Our motive can't be, we're going to put God in our debt. If I do this, he has to do this. No, no, God says, I am that I am. I will be what I will be. You don't control me. But God is not unjust. He will remember what you have done. He commits himself to rewarding us. With salvation first, which if he doesn't give us anything else, that's enough. With his presence, if he doesn't give us anything else, that's enough. With the sacrifice of Christ, if he doesn't give us anything else, that's enough. With eternal life, that starts now. If you have Jesus with you, you have eternal life that begins now. Because God is with you. God is eternal life. His presence is eternal life, and he has committed himself to reward us. That's what he says, God is not unjust, he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people, help his people, and as you continue to help them. The way we can live in a declining society is to worship God with everyday actions of worship. One of those actions that we have to take is we have to serve others and continue serving them as our daily action. If you do that, if you continue to do that, God promises He will reward you. He will give you the hope that you have been waiting for, fully realized, probably the salvation of your friends and family that you're praying for and seeking. But you're also going to inherit that kingdom that He has got in store for you. Okay? We follow along? There is a, a group in our church... Uh, I want to point out that they did this. Uh, Bob and Mita Pitzer and Pat Sewell and Larry East, uh, they they came to Nick and I a couple weeks ago, and they said, hey, listen, we want to serve. We want to serve our community, and we feel like there are people in our church and in our community that the only way that they've learned to connect with God and with Jesus is with the old hymns, and we want to serve them. We, we want to not only allow them to connect with Jesus, but we want them to be mature in Jesus. And he said, Bob said, I don't know anything about the Internet, and I don't subscribe to the YouTube, and uh, I have no idea how electronic mail works. He said, can you help us? And so Bob and Mita and Larry and Pat stood right here, and Nick recorded them, and they have a 30-minute hymn sing on YouTube. That they're spreading out to as many people as they can because they are trying to serve our church to bring God glory by helping people. If you go to our YouTube page now, and if you know what YouTube is, you can probably get there. You can find 30 minutes of just a fantastic hymn sing that for some of us that connects us right to Jesus. Now, we don't need to stay here. That's the only way we get to connect with Jesus. We need to mature and be able to worship him every day with any type of music and with any type of celebration that serves God. But it's okay if you have a preference that you love better than others to connect yourself with Jesus. That is okay. And Bob and Mita and Pat and Larry, they wanted to serve you and serve our community. And they're getting the word out. They said, we just want to serve the Lord. What a beautiful expression, Of love through action. This is what we do. Here's how you can find out. Here's how you can find out where God wants you to serve. Would you start praying this prayer? Three prayers. Three prayers every day. Number one God, where do you want me to serve today? Who do you want me to bless today? I can only speak for myself, but I know I have time energy, resources, and money that I selfishly spend on myself instead of seeking to praise God through acts of service with others. And if you're anything like me, you have time, energy, resources, and money that you could bring glory to God's name and bring other people into the praise of His name by going and helping somebody in His name with your time, energy, resources, or money. So if you start your day with, God, where do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to bless? He will start directing you into places where you can serve and bless. Let's just do those two prayers. I think I had three prayers. Now those two will work. Oh, oh, here's the other one, here's the other one, here's the other one. Where do you want me to serve? Who can I bless? Who needs help? You just look around. You can pray that prayer. Who needs my help that I can step in and show God I love him by helping somebody else? Who needs my help? Somebody write these down and and send me a text and remind me what they are so I don't forget it. (laughs) Where do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to bless? Who needs help? Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. There are lots of places to serve and do ministry in this church, in this facility, in this local congregation. And there are even more ways to serve in your family at home. But if you belong to a church and local congregation, you also have been appointed by God to serve in that local congregation to build it up toward maturity and unity. Let's make a deal that a month from now, a month from now, you know what your ministry is in this local congregation where God is appointing you to bring him praise by serving. Now listen, uh, most of the service opportunities we have in this congregation are behind the scenes and people will never know what you have done to bring glory to God. And that's okay because your motive is to bring glory to God. Nobody in here probably knows who changed out the light bulbs when they went bad above your head, but somebody did because they want you to be able to come in here and worship and they love God and want you to be able to worship. Most of serving opportunities work that way. But God is calling us to worship Him and praise Him by finding a ministry that you can call your own where you get to serve people to His glory. Let's make a deal that you know what your ministry is in this congregation a month from now. And let's make a deal that you know what your ministry is outside of Sunday morning, during the week, everyday worship, a month from now. Because you've been praying, God, where do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to bless? And who needs help? And God might call you to a ministry that only lasts a moment. Where you bend over and you pick somebody up that needs a help, needs a pick-me-up, whether you give them a financial pick-me-up or you actually physically lift them up, he has you serve in that moment and you say, that was my ministry, I helped, I blessed, I served to the glory of God. Or he might call you to a long-term ministry where you go and serve at your father's kitchen and you hand out food every single week because there are people who need the love of God and they need food. And once their belly is full, they can hear about Jesus. Or you go and you work at New Life Clinic where you have clients coming in and they're abortion minded and you loved on them and you explain to them the love God has for them and all of a sudden they want to love God too and you have led them to that place where they're going to make a wise, healthy, loving decision. Or maybe you go to New Life Clinic and you work with the dads who come in and they don't know how to be a dad, and they're surprised as much as anybody by the pregnancy they're having, and you get to help them learn how to be a dad. I don't know where God is going to have you serve, but we need to figure out where God wants us to serve in everyday worship when we leave this room. So we need to ask ourselves, where do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to bless? Who needs my help? And then we will be living a life of everyday worship in a declining society, and it will start making a difference in our families, in our church, in our community, and people will come to the Lord because of it. Jesus also gave us, he didn't just give us baptism to remember his death and resurrection, he also gave us communion to remember his death and resurrection. Would you get out your communion packet today? Now, we don't want this to be just go through the motions. Anything we do, whether we do it weekly or once a month, or once a quarter, it can be just going through the motions. We don't ever want it to be going through the motions. Going through the motions. But we want to take the time to remember how Jesus came to serve, not be served, and give his life as a ransom for many. And every time we participate in communion, we are remembering his ransom that he paid. He paid our debt with his life. Would you remember his body on the cross that he hung there? deliberately, purposely, He could have come down at any moment, but He kept His hands and feet nailed to the cross because He loves you and wants you to be in a relationship with God. He has served you. Would you remember His service to you by participating in His body? And would you remember the blood that poured out of His body by taking the cup? Would you remember and imagine spiritually, His blood coming out of His body and washing your soul clean, declaring you righteous and giving you a relationship with God, would you participate in the cup? And the Scripture tells us that every time we participate in communion, we are participating in the body and blood of Christ. It is a reminder that Jesus died and rose again and that He is coming back And when he comes back, he's going to separate us like sheep and goats. And those who have been practicing everyday worship, who commit to Jesus and trust him with their entire lives, he will say, you fed me and you clothed me. You visited me. Come and receive your reward. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for the faithful witness of Jesus Christ. Who shows us how to worship you in a declining society? I thank you for the faithful witnesses that have come before us, those in this congregation, those in our families, who taught us the love of Jesus, who sacrificed for us so that their hope could be realized, that we would be saved. Lord, would you open our eyes to all the places and all the people? that we could bless all to your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org donate.